providing you with the tools, knowledge, skills, and power to advance your career, grow your business, and build a better future for your community. We are the Tourism Academy. Welcome to Business Class. Today's guest, Tony Hoover, talks about living fearlessly, starting his own company, and reinventing what it is that they do so they can tell stories to more people on this episode of Business Class, the Tourism Academy podcast. Steve Ekstrom here, host of the Tourism Academy, tourismacademy.org podcast, Business Class. Joining me from sunny Southern California, he's already rubbed it in, Mr. Tony Hoover. Tony, welcome to Business Class. Hey, Stephen. Thank you. How did you end up in Southern California? I ended up in Los Angeles specifically uh, for work about 30, 32 years ago, I think it was now, um, 1989, so it's 33 years ago. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I was out of college. I uh, went to school in Indiana, went to Ball State. First job was in Indianapolis. Um, I talked to some of my coworkers. I have an architecture degree, by the way. Um, and uh, I talked to some guys from the, the firm, and they said, um, you know, this is what we make. And I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not doing this job. So um, I, I packed my Jeep and I drove out to California, and I've been here ever since. What was your first job when you got to California? I was a gallery director. I ran an art gallery here in Los Angeles, um, specifically a gallery that represented architects. It was one of the only two in the United States at the time. Uh, there was one in New York, Art and Industry, uh, and one in LA called um, Gallery of Functional Art, GFA. And so we represented architects like Frank Geary, before people knew who he was, Eric Owen Moss, Tom Main. And so when these architects design buildings, they also design a lot of things that go into the buildings, like furniture, for example. So we represented those architects for their prototypes and other experimental things that they were working on. And usually a museum would, would be our, our buyer. So they would come in and, um, and purchase you know, the, the prototypes for their gallery, for their uh, museum collections. Where would you say you get your personal sense of, of taste and aesthetic from? My personal taste is always evolving and <laughs> changing. <laughs> uh, so I don't have a specific taste, I don't think. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm very visual. So um, just, you know, uh, with my art background and my architecture background, yeah, I think that probably influences my, my you know, exactly what we're talking about. When did you realize that you wanted to share your experiences in the city with other people? Yeah, so a lot has changed in the last year, so there's, it's a lot to unpack there. Um, but, um, you know, uh, when I started my company, Redline Tours, uh, 20, 22 years ago, um, there was no one, no one doing what we're doing. So when people come to Los Angeles, the first thing they do is a movie star homes tour. They usually go to do the, they go to the beach, Santa Monica Beach, they do a, a Beverly Hills kind of uh, celebrity tour and they try to hike up to the Hollywood sign. Uh, that's, and that's pretty much it. You've lived in a, in, in, in a large city and you, you, you know kind of the attitude of, of tourists that come there and kind of what, they, what they're kind of looking for. And you know, it's frustrating because you know, this is a really city with a lot of history, a lot of layers. Um, most people leave LA, they don't really know it. They, they come and they see kind of um, what they expect to see and they don't really kind of dive in. 
and, and really see the city. And I thought, you know, well, that's just a, such a shame. So I wanted to be um, the one who really kind of introduces people to that side of Los Angeles as kind of layers. Um, and we started the first walking tour company. So people, when they usually come to visit, they do the macro view. They get on a bus and they kind of do the macro view of the city, right? But what makes LA special is the micro view, kind of going into a neighborhood and kind of really kind of, you know, kind of understanding that neighborhood. So, and you can really only do that on foot. So we, that's why we started Redline Tours, which is basically a walking tour company that focused on that micro view. Do you think it's a myth that by taking the micro view, you sometimes miss out on the bigger perspective of the city? Or what no, do you think? You know, I've, and by the way, I've made this mistake myself as a, as a tourist. I went to Barcelona on one of my excursions and, you know, we spent a lot of time on those double-decker buses kind of seeing the whole city. And, um, and then when we actually did, you know, towards the end of that, that trip, when we actually went into a neighborhood and kind of spent like a whole day in just one neighborhood, I started to realize, oh my God, this is a fabulous city. Um, but it was only until we stopped and actually spent some time kind of getting to know the locals, eating in the restaurants, kind of talking to the people and really kind of looking around just one particular neighborhood, really got to understand the city. You really understand the city when you kind of get to know the locals and the food scene. And you can really only do that when you slow down. You can't do that at, you know, 50 miles an hour on a bus. So I think you understand the city better actually when you slow down and, and kind of see it from that micro view. I've lived in LA, by the way, for 32 years, and I still don't know it. So as, in 32 years, I still really can't tell you that I fully understand the city. There is so many layers to it that even spending the time that I do on such a kind of intimate level in our neighborhoods, I still don't know the city fully. So you're never going to really know a city fully, but you're actually going to get a flavor of it at least. So you mentioned that you had started Redline Tours and the walking tours. Um, and a lot has changed in the last 18 months. What's different? What's changed? A lot. Um, so, you know, our, our, you know, we're going to continue doing what we've always done, but it's not going to be our, um, our primary, um, our, our core business. Um, we've decided in the last 18 months to pivot to content creation. Um, we want to we want to expand our audience uh, on a much larger scale. And we also, at the same time, want to prevent uh, uh, putting our, our, our company at risk. Um, so we've been through 9-11, we've been through 2009, we've been through SARS, we've been through COVID-19. There's going to be something else. And I'm not getting any younger. So, you know, every time one of these things happen, we kind of lose traction, right, with the business, um, as, as everyone knows in the travel business. And my business is, you know, is even more affected because 70% of my business is international. And right now, international, there's no international travel. We decided that, you know, the best way to deal with this from a business standpoint was to find a mechanism where we can actually, you know, continue doing what we're doing through all of these kind of things. And, and you know, we decided, you know, we're storytellers at heart. That's what we do. Um, so what a better way to kind of pivot than to um, kind of take advantage of the fact that we're in Hollywood, which is the content creation capital of the world. And, um, and really pivot to doing um, essentially documentaries. So we're, we're basically going to be producing documentaries um, using LA as a subject matter, YouTube series, and all different kinds of content that really kind of focus on telling our story to the world. You know, as we approach the Olympics in 2028, 
uh, the Super Bowl next year, the FIFA World Cup, these major uh, events are happening in Los Angeles and there's other events that are being planned. Um, the world is coming here, especially in the sporting universe. So we wanna be in a position where we can really connect to those audiences before they actually arrive to the city. And we think one of the best ways to do that is through this content creation. And we could get a larger audience, by the way, instead of having a few thousand people every year, we can actually get millions of people. We can connect with millions around the world. When you talk about a series and, and LA being the character in the, in the series, how would you describe, how would you describe that character? Multi-dimensional. It's, it's probably one of the most multi-dimensional cities. I mean, I've traveled around the world and I, you know, and you know, I, I haven't spent as much time, obviously, in other places as I have in LA, but LA is just really, it's a hard city to grasp. It's so multidimensional. Um, and as I told you, I've lived here for 32 years and I still don't know it. As a character, there's a writer for the LA Times, his name was Jonathan Gold. Um, and Jonathan Gold, there was a documentary that he did about, about Los Angeles. It was really kind of a love letter for the city, but he told it through food. By the way, he's one of the first Pulitzer Prize winning writers uh, on, on the food scene in the, in the United States. So I kind of look at him as kind of like a mentor almost, or kind of a model. If you watch what he, how he kind of uh, uh, talks about Los Angeles, that's kind of the way that I would characterize it. Um, he kind of best fits my kind of you know, point of view. It's just so multidimensional. And, and when you really, he captivates you in his in his kind of you know um, delivery about you know what Los Angeles really represents to him and is really special. What makes a good storyteller? A good storyteller is someone who doesn't focus on things like dates and names, uh, you know, factual things. It's really you know a good storyteller is one who really kind of paints a picture of. Um, takes through kind of illustrations through words and kind of paints this picture of, of this world that you know that you're trying to open people up to and and you know the facts don't really matter so much as it really is the kind of that kind of that broad brush you know those strokes of you know what and through words um what you're trying to describe a theme that i've heard in several of these interviews is empathy and as a storyteller, what are a few things that you look for in your audience so you know how to connect with them? I think you have to understand where the viewer is coming from. And I'm talking about content creation, uh, where the viewer is coming from. But you have people coming from all different points, right? So uh, if you're talking about, you know, empathy in regards to the, the, the person who's consuming, We'll have like you know, 30 people on a tour and they're literally from all over the world. And everyone's gonna have a different perspective on what you're talking about, right? So you have to be very empathetic of that when you're delivering your story. You, you're gonna deliver the same story, but you really have to understand who that audience is. And you have to uh, make sure that when you're doing the story that you're not getting too kind of bound up on the things that not really allow them to understand the story. When people are signing up for a tour or finding content that they want to watch, what do you think draws them to the content that you provide, either on a tour or online or in a documentary? That's something we're actually trying to figure out right now. Interestingly, when we started designing our tours, we designed it based on what we thought the demand was. 
Um, so when we when we did our Hollywood tour, for example, we knew that people wanted to go to Hollywood. So we, but we decided to do a, a tour that really focused on the uh, on the things that were you know surprising to people that they didn't were hearing before. But we were still doing Hollywood because that's what they want. Um, now it's a different story because now we're trying to bring things to the front that uh, have, people have no clue um, about you know what to expect. Our hope is to introduce people to things that they won't even think to ask about. You know, they just kind of, they're, they're coming to us because LA is the subject matter, right? Um, but we're delivering to them something that's very unique and in many, in many ways, we hope very surprising. And reveal, because you're, you're teaching them something, right? You're, you're teaching but entertaining at the same time. How do you see yourself as an educator? How do you sense that you're making an impact? I just saw the Anthony Bourdain documentary the other day, Roadrunner. Anthony Bourdain did exactly what you're talking about. You know, you have to remember the time that he did, he started doing a series. It was very new. Um, the Food Network was very new. A, 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 a cook's tour was groundbreaking uh, when it came out originally. It isn't so much now because we've, we're used to seeing this kind of content, but when it came out originally, it was very fresh and very new. He opened up people to an entirely new world. Um, he opened up people to traveling to places like Cambodia, which were not even in the discussion at that time. Um, he talked about the food that was in Cambodia and people weren't really, you know, unless you were in New York or LA, um, you probably wouldn't even know what Cambodian food was. Now the whole world knows what that is. So, um, and you can find Cambodian restaurants in the little town I grew up in, and you would not have seen that South Bend, Indiana, you would not have seen that, you know, 20 years ago, that just wouldn't have been, you would not have seen that. Um, so, you know, it's changed, you know, in teaching people, you're hoping to open up, opening up people to this kind of new world um, through, um, you know, through kind of tapping into the curiosities, but at the same time delivering something to them that's, um, that they don't expect. So that's the teaching part. What has been the most magical moment for you over the last 18 months? In realizing that, you know, we could do what we're doing now all along, that we just never did it. That's been kind of a, a moment that was kind of like, like a, a if you want to use the word magical, it was kind of like an aha moment for us. Uh, like, you know, we're in Hollywood. Why, why did we think about doing this like 20 years ago? I think we would be much farther in the game if we had. But, you know, sometimes it just takes a push to do things that are uncomfortable or scary or whatever it is. So it was kind of a, a fight or flight moment. And we decided to fight. We were like, we're not going to, we're not going to, coronavirus is, you know, hitting us over the head, we're not gonna like cower, we're gonna like fight back, right? We're gonna figure out you know, how we can save our company. It was, it was either saving our company or basically going under. Kind of then altruistically changed into something that was less about survival and more about, oh my gosh, we're gonna be doing something that we might even enjoy as much or more um, than what we were doing before because now we can actually take a story and we can do it in a way that we can deliver it to a very, very, very large audience, right? It's something we've always been doing, but now we have a very large audience. You People can see why they want to do it. You're basically immersing people in this experience from home or in a theater, potentially. When we started thinking about that, we're like, oh my God, you know, 
that's the, that's the answer to our problems. A quick reminder about the Tourism Academy, offering online, on-demand, and live in-person training so that you can create stakeholder alignment, demonstrate the relevance of tourism to your community, empower local businesses, and improve the local tourism experience so you can have more positive social mentions, longer stays, and more repeat high-volume visitors. Build a culture of inclusion while saving time and money with online tourism ambassador training and certification by the Tourism Academy, tourismacademy.org. What do you love most about what you do? It's getting to know my city in a way that's uh, very intimate. You get to know people on a different level. I mean, when you're, when you're doing something like this, it's very, very intimate because you're going to neighborhoods, you're meeting people, you're getting to know these people. These people remain kind of friends of yours. Um, you, you, you maintain relationships through, you kind of develop and maintain relationships through this kind of experience. That wasn't actually as expected as I thought. You can't just tell a story. You have to go in and you have to develop it. And you, in, in order to develop that story, you, have, you, you really have to take, inf you're, you're basically receiving information from other people, right? And you're then taking that information and then editing it and putting it together as a story uh, and delivering it via audio and visually. So, you know, it requires an intimacy with, with people. What piece of advice would you give to somebody who's just out of college? Maybe they got their degree in something like architecture and they decided that they wanted to do something in tourism. I would say be fearless. Experience as much as you, you can experience and then make your decisions after you've had, you know, a lot of experiences. Um, go out and see the world, travel and get to know people in the industry and really kind of immerse yourself fearlessly. I think that's the thing. You know, when I started out, I was so fearful. You know, I was like, you know, tiptoeing through different experiences. And, I'm, and now that I look back on it, I'm like, you know, if I had been more, if I had been less fearful and, and more fearless, I think um, if someone had told me that at the beginning, it would have been more beneficial to me. What were you afraid of? Uh, I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of asking to learn about certain things for fear of rejection. You know, when you're young, you're, you're fearful of the unknown. You're fearful of, you know, asking for advice or asking for something and being rejected or thinking that you're not worthy of, of, of going to, to this particular experience. But that's none of that's true. Who do you look at as a mentor? And what have you learned from them? One of my mentors is a, is, a, is a guy by the name of Hal Bastian. He's uh, I've known him for 22 years. Um, he's very involved with development and, and real estate in Los Angeles. The, the city's really growing really rapidly, uh, and it's 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 changing dramatically. People who don't aren't familiar with what's going on here, it's hard to grasp it. But Los Angeles is, is changing. It's probably one of the cities in the world that is most dramatically changing in on all different levels. And my friend Hal is really kind of, you know, he's got his thumb on a lot of this stuff. So when I'm trying to understand that aspect of the city, I always kind of, you know, look to him as a, like a mentor because he's got just such a, uh, so much knowledge, something as nuanced as um, the spoken word culture in Los Angeles and South Central Los Angeles and South LA, parts of the city that I don't really know very well. One of my former employees, Mike Songson, you know, is very rich in that history. 
Um, so I looked to him as kind of a, a mentor for, for kind of understanding that aspect. So I have a lot of different mentors for different things. And I just look to them pretty constantly um, when I want to understand something. When you're not working and you're not researching for work, what do you do for fun? I have my dogs. Um, I spend a lot of time with my dogs and we're, we're both dog people. So you can totally understand that. And your dogs are incredibly lovable. All three of them. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're like my family. They are my family. Um, and so I spend a lot of time with them. I walk around the city. I go for six to eight mile walks, um, and just walk the neighborhood. Um, and sometimes I bring a friend, sometimes I do it alone. Uh, but, you know, that in itself is really interesting because you kind of see things and, you know, from eye level and, and you, it's just very interesting, you know, to most people don't walk L.A. So that's a, you know, for me to do that is, is, uh, is an interesting thing. And people see that. I, I post about it on Facebook and stuff like that. People are like, oh, I want to go do that. Um, and the, the other thing is you are, are aware is, you know, I've always wanted to have a motorcycle. So and I've never done it because of fear. We just talked about that. Um, and I did a splurge and I bought a Harley Davidson and now I'm, you know, learning how to manage that. So, and, and growing out a goatee and shaving, you know, getting the high and tight. It, you you got it. You got to do that. This is a part of the whole thing. <laughs> it's a look. The, the neck tattoo is coming next. Oh, I could probably help you with that. I know, I know some people. I'm not going to do that. No, no neck tattoo. Do you have any tattoos? I probably, you know, I wouldn't be fearful of doing that now only because, I mean, before. Because you're in a biker gang. Well, now you're right. Tours, you're going to be professional. You don't want to have a big neck tattoo. But now it's like, you know, I, there's no reason not to have one if I wanted one. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm not going to. I got a tattoo guy. He'll come I to will, your house. I will, I will join a biker gang, though. All right. Game on. Yeah, when I'm out there, it's a Sons of Anarchy gotta, tour for us. Gotta, right. I got <laughs> the, the SOA tour. Um, we got to I got to have people to ride with, right? I don't know. I don't have a bike. I have a moped. It rocks 45 miles an hour downhill with the wind at my back it's, and it's tires full, fully it's inflated. A, it's a full 125 cc's, right? I think it's 124 because 125 is the cutoff. 1600. <laughs> eh, details. <laughs> it's going to be fun. If folks want to learn more about the experiences that you and, and your team provide, how would they go about doing it? On our website, which is redlinetours.com, uh, on there you're going to see our, um, of course, our tours and our blog and, um, and our store. And you've got some pretty cool looking merch. Yeah, I, I love our merch. And we're, we're, we're working on some new stuff now as well. I'm going to ask you to pick a number one to ten. Three. Three is my number. Okay. If you knew that you would die in five years, what would you change about the way you live now and why? Oh, nothing. I mean, I'm already, I'm already doing it. So I, don't, I can't imagine what else I would change. No regrets. Well, you should have gotten that bike sooner. <laughs> right. <laughs> And the neck tattoo. All right. Well, Tony, thank you for joining me here in business class. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight. And most of all, I appreciate our friendship. So until I get to see you again, thank you for joining thank you, me. Steven. Big hug. Take a course. Train your people. 
teach what you love, promote your products, donate today at tourismacademy.org, a 501c3 nonprofit organization.